Shalom and welcome to Am Levadad Yishkon number 14. After finally, uh, in last week's podcast, pulling together everything we've spoken about since the beginning of the series and seeing how Parshat Bichu Kotai really provides the key and the answer uh, to understanding all of the various questions that we asked, I'd like now to begin to elaborate on the understandings that we uh, that we gained by looking at the Pasuk, Am Levadad Yushkon, in the context in which it appears, in the context of Parshat Balak. And this will take a few podcasts to study the story of Bil'am and his various pronouncements about Am Yisrael, pronouncements which, as I mentioned in the very first episode, I think uh, can give us a lot of insights as to uh, who we are as a nation and what our what our purpose is and uh, some other qualities that we have. And among them, of course, will be that pasuk of, um, of Amlevadad Yishkon. So the story uh, of Bilam begins in uh, Perik Chafbet, chapter 22 of the book of Bamibar. And it says there in the second pasuk, Vayar Balak ben Sipor et kol asher asay Yisrael emori. Vayagor Moav mipnei ha'am me'od kiravhu, vayakats Moav mipnei b'nei Yisrael. The story begins with Balak, the king of Moab, being uh, very, very afraid of Am Yisrael, or B'nei Yisrael as they're called here. Vayomer Moav ziknei midyan ata yilachachu hakahal et kol svivotenu kilchol chashor et yerek hasadeh. It then continues with Moav, uh, turning to Midian, their allies, and describing Am Yisrael as having literally licked up everything that's around us, just like a an ox eats the grass in the field. Um, and it turns out that they decide to send messengers, Vayishlach Malachim el Bilan ben Beor Pitora, Asher al Nahar, Eretz b'nei Amo lekrolo lemor, Hine Am Yatsami Mitzrayim, Hine Chisat en Haaretz, Vuhu Yoshev Mimuli, it turns out that Balak then sends a message to Bil'am. The Torah does not tell us anything about who Bil'am was or why Balak chose to turn to him. All it tells us that is that he lived far away in a place called Pitor, Asher Nahar, far away from Eretz Moab. And he said to him, there's this nation that came out of Mitzrayim, that covers the entire earth. Uh, that's obviously an exaggeration. And they are camped near me, near my country. Um, I want you to curse them for me because they're too powerful for me. Maybe we can defeat them. And that's what he asked uh, Balak, Bilam to do. In order to understand where this was coming from and the purpose, uh, not only of the Torah telling us about these events, but actually the purpose why these events actually took place, we need to go back uh, to the uh, to the previous parashat, the parashat Chukat. Now, parashat Chukat, we are in the fortieth year of Am Yisrael's sojourn in uh, in the Midbar after having come out of Mitzrayim and after having um, gone through all the events that are detailed in the book of uh, Shemot and in uh, a little bit in Vayikra and in the beginning of the book of Bamidbar. Uh, eventually, the, after the Cheta Miraglim, after the sin of the spies, they uh, were. They were uh, punished with a terrible decree that they would have to spend 40 years in the Mibar. 38 of those years passed without the Torah addressing them at all. And uh, the second half of Parshat Chukat certainly uh, is already in the 40th year. And um, 
Am Yisrael is in a place called Kadesh or Kadesh Barnea. And uh, the time has finally come to uh, begin to get ready to go into Eretz Kena'an. Uh, those who are unfamiliar with the geography might do well to consult a map uh, to understand uh, the events that we're about to read. Um, so Perek Chaf, Pasuk Yudawit says, Vayishlach Moshe Malachim Mikadesh El Melech Edom. Moshe sends messengers to the king of Edom. Edom being uh, southeast of Eretz Yisrael, in today's uh, southern Jordan, opposite Harei Eilat. And uh, he says to him, Koamar Achicha Yisrael. He speaks to him with great, um, great politeness and uh, describes himself as Achicha. After all, Edom are the descendants of Esav and Bnei Yisrael are the descendants of Yaakov. So they are, they are brothers. He says, Koamar Achicha Yisrael. So says your brother Israel. Atayadatet kolashtla'a asher metzadnu. Vayerdu avotenu mitzrayma. Vaneshev mitzrayim yamim rabim. Moshe gives him a whole speech about how difficult things have been and how Hashem helped us and took us out. And in Pasuk Yudzayin, he gets to the point. He says, I have a simple request. Again, if you consult a map and see that Moshe was currently in Kadesh Barnea, somewhere in what we call today the Negev of the Negev, and uh, the plan was to get to Arvot Moab opposite Yericho, where they, from where they were going to go into Eretz Kena'an. The simplest way to do that would be to travel through the land of Moab, in other words, to climb up the mountains of Harei Moab, and to travel on what was called Derech HaMelech, which was a major highway that went straight through the land of, of Edom. Um, and therefore, Moshe asks the king of Edom for a simple request of what we would call today a transit visa. He wants permission for his people to pass through the land of Edom. And he says to him, um, Lo na'avor v'cherem. We're not going to, uh, you know, we're not going to go into any of your fields. We're not going to, t- to take anything. Lo nishteme be'er. It's a, it was a very large group of people, of course. You don't have to be concerned that we're going to drink any of your water. We have our own supplies. And we're not going to do anything in the country. We just want permission to pass through. Because we need to get to uh, the other side of your country so that we can enter Eretz Canaan. Uh, what do you think about that? And the king of Edom responds very, very harshly. First of all, he says, absolutely not. And not only that, he threatens. If you dare approach my country, I will attack. I will come out with my army. So Moshe sends a second request asking for permission to take a, 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 a back road through the more uh, remote areas of the country where perhaps uh, he won't feel as threatened. And he also offers assurances that if, if you're concerned that in the end we will drink your water, I promise we'll pay full price. I just want permission for us to pass. The king of Edom again refuses. And therefore, uh, and, and Edom comes out and uh, goes ahead and moves troops 
to the border in a show of military strength and a very clear message uh, that you better not you better not start up with us. And Moshe Rabbeinu, um, the way it's presented here, in a minute we'll take a look in the book of Dvarim and we'll see a, a different perspective, but by the way it's presented here in Bamidbar, it looks as if Moshe was deterred by Edom's military strength and he backs off. And uh, now we'll skip a little bit, but if you look at Pasuk, Perik Chavalef now, at Pasuk Dalid, it says, Vayis'u mehor hahar derech yamsuf lisbovet eretz Edom. Uh, and the Torah then goes to describe the route they needed to take. Again, looking at a map may help clarify this, but because they were unable or not allowed to pass through Edom, they needed to take a much more circuitous route. Moshe had to take the people all the way down south through the Negev to Eilat, um, c- circling around the outskirts of Edom from the south, and then to travel north on the desert route all the way on the eastern side of Edom. This is a journey that added uh, several hundred kilometers uh, to the journey and um, um, probably several weeks at least of difficult travel, which is, and some of the incidents that occurred are discussed here uh, in Parshat Chukat. If you look at a map also, although the Torah doesn't draw much attention to it here, you'll also see that their route took them all the way to the east of, uh, of Moab. In other words, Am Yisrael bypassed Moab completely. Now, let's pause for a moment and put ourselves in the mindset of Balak, the king of Moab. Undoubtedly, a generation ago, Balak or his predecessor, probably his predecessor, um, had been quite concerned. We know that when Am Yisrael came out of Mitzrayim, now already a generation in the past, we know that the entire world was um, was quite uh, concerned and was quite... Uh, was quite frightened after having brought down the mighty Egypt, the regional superpower, or maybe even the international superpower, uh, everyone else, uh, especially those nations that understood that they were in the uh, target range of where Am Yisrael in, you know, was headed, they certainly were very, very uh, afraid. And this is testified to us by the Shirat Hayam, by uh, the song that Am Yisrael sang, uh, after being, which we read just last uh, Shabbat in the Beit Batei Knesset, uh, we see that Am Yisrael testified to the fact that um, that everyone was afraid. It uh, said we read last week in Shmot Perak Tedva Pasuk Yudalid, Shamu Amim Yirgazun Chil Achaz Yoshve Plashet. We read that nations heard what happened and they became very very afraid and terror gripped. Uh, those who dwelled in Pleshet, uh, the land of the Plishtim. It also says, Az nivhalu alufei Edom. The king of Edom, uh, or the generals of Edom were also very, very worried. Eilei Moav, Yochazemo Ra'ad. The leaders of Moav were trembling in fear. Namogu Koyoshvechenan. And all of the inhabitants of Kenaan sort of melted in their fear. So the Torah tells us here that 40 years earlier, all the nations in the area, including Edom and including Moab, had been terrified. And they assumed that it was just a short period of time. They knew that Am Yisrael had defeated Mitzrayim. They knew that the destination was Canaan. They realized that it only takes a week or two to travel, to cross the 
the desert. Maybe it could take a slightly longer period, but certainly within a few weeks they were anticipating a military invasion and an onslaught of this power um, that um, that they feared. And, the, and Shiratayam tells us how afraid they all were. But then something happened. And the people who undoubtedly were watching this, I'm sure that all the leaders of all of these nations had uh, their spies, their intelligence networks, bringing them updates, following closely the developments and the movements of Am Yisrael. And they noticed that Am Yisrael sort of got stopped. They wandered for a while in the Midbar. They camped here, they camped there, spent over half a year at Har Sinai, and uh, continued to wander through the Midbar from place to place. And Years passed, even decades passed, and these people never, ever uh, seemed to be going anywhere. And undoubtedly, um, over the course of those decades, the concern and the fears began to wane, although certainly I'm sure that the uh, that the nations of the area continued to, at least the leaders of the armies and the, and the governments continued to monitor their whereabouts and their movements. And assumedly, assumedly, when, uh, when Am Yisrael indicated to the king of Edom that, uh, that they wanted to move uh, and that they were beginning their journey now finally after a delay of over a generation into Eretz Canaan, assumedly Moab and perhaps the other nations as well went on to high alert. And we can put ourselves into the, to the mindset of Balak Trying to understand what happened. Why has Am Yisrael been delayed, been stalled in their tracks for decades in the Midbar? Uh, and now suddenly why are they ready to move? And perhaps he hear, heard the request that was conveyed to the king of Edom, uh, asking for permission to go through. Perhaps he was alarmed by that request as well. And perhaps though he was emboldened when he saw that the king of Edom, um, perhaps he was grateful for the fact that he wasn't on the front line but rather that Edom was was in the way. And when Edom decided to stand up to Am Yisrael to threaten military action and to uh, to aggressively refuse them entry into their land, assumedly the king of Moab, Balak, was emboldened by that. And even more so when he saw that Moshe Rabbeinu seems to have been deterred and that the threat worked and that Am Yisrael, who only asked for permission to travel through, to travel through Edom, which would have brought them straight to Moab, and Edom refused them entry, and they backed off. So, assumedly, the king of Moab, Balak, was very, very emboldened by this, and he must have drawn the conclusion that he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't understand how it was that they defeated uh, Mitzrayim in the previous generation, but he probably has begun to draw the conclusion that, after all, uh, there isn't all that much to worry about, that Am Yisrael is basically what we call a paper tiger. Um, somehow they brought down Egypt. I don't know how, but that was a generation ago. And since then, they seem to have lost their way. They don't seem to have... But they had some, some minor military victories. They defeated Amalek in the very beginning. Um, in the, the part that I skipped from Parshat Chukat, there was a minor battle with the, with Haknani Melech Arad, uh, the king of a small tribe, um, probably not even a city in the area of Arad. And, um, but still, when it came to the large nation of Edom, Am Yisrael seemed to be 
um, not interested in a confrontation. They seem to be deterred by the threat from Edom. And when it came to Moab, he must have been monitoring their movements carefully, and he saw that they bypassed his country from the east, being very careful not to come too close to Moab. They started in the southeast and bypassed the country to the northeast. And eventually it says... Um, here, let's read the Perik Hafalaf Pasuk Yud by Yisume Ovot Vayachanu Bi Iyei Ha'ivrim Ha'avarim, I'm sorry, Bamidbar Asher Alpnei Moab Mimizrach Hashamesh. So they camped to the east of Moab in a place called Iyei Ha'avarim. And then it says, Misham Nasa'u Vayachanu Benachal Zared. Misham Nasa'u Vayachanu Me'ever Arnon Asher Bamidbar Hayotsei Migvul Ha'emori. Ki Arnon Gvul Moav, Bain Moav, Ubain Ha'emori. Again, if you look at a map and see where these places are, it tells us that Am Yisrael completely bypassed Moab from the southeast through the east and camped northeast of Moab, between, on the border between Moab and Edom. And at this point, um, Balak must have come to the conclusion that they have no interest in a confrontation with him, that in fact they are afraid of him, and that in general they're not interested in him, they're headed north, and uh, they came from the south, they're headed to the north, and he must have lowered his guard and assumed that he had nothing to worry about. However, in Pasuk Chaf Aleph, the narrative continues, Yishlach Yisrael Malachim El Sichon Melech HaEmori the narrative continues that Moshe then sent messages to Sichon, the king of the Emori. This is the nation north of Moab, next uh, in the line of the journey. And he's, and Moshe sent a message to Sichon, the king of, uh, of the Emori, which is very similar to the message that he had sent to the king of Edom. He asked, E'ebra be'artzecha, lo v'cherem, lo be'er. Again, he asks for a transit visa, for permission to travel through the land of Sichon Melech Emori. He promises that we won't uh, enter your fields or vineyards, we won't drink any of your water. We just want to continue the journey on the main highway, Derech HaMelech, until we pass through your country. At which point, Balak must have understood that Bnei Yisrael Bichlal are headed out of his region altogether. They're headed north. He doesn't know where they're going, but he assumably thinks that there's no problem whatsoever. And then, uh, it says, V'lo natan Sichon et Yisrael avor bigvulo, that Sichon, the king of the Emory, did not allow Yisrael to pass through his land. Vayesov Sichon et kol amo vayetzei lekrat Yisrael hamidbara vayavo yatsa vayilachem b'Yisrael. Unlike, uh, he does, he reacts in a similar manner to the way the king of Edom reacted, but even more violently. First of all, he doesn't even give him a warning, and, uh, and he doesn't only threat. He immediately comes out with his army and attacks. Now, I also want to point out that the Torah, a little bit later on, tells us in... Um, actually, we'll get to that in a minute. Let's continue reading here. Suddenly, um, something perhaps unexpected happens. Am Yisrael was attacked. And in Pasuk Chavdalat, it says, Vayakehu Yisrael leficharev, that Am Yisrael won the war. They defeated Sichon. They captured the entire territory 
of Sichon from the Nachal Arnon, which is the southern border of the land of, of Sichon Melech Hamari, until the Yabok, which is the northern border. Vayikach Yisrael et kol he'arim ha'ele, Am Yisrael captured the entire country, Vayeshev Yisrael b'chol arei ha'emori b'cheshbon v'chol b'noteha. That Am Yisrael defeated, completely defeated, Sichon Melech Hamari, conquered his country and settled in those cities. And then the Torah tells us something else. Ki cheshbon, ir Sichon Melech HaEmori. Cheshbon is the capital city of Sichon. Vehu nilcham b'melech Moav harishon, vayikach et kol artso miyado ad arnon. He had fought with the first king of Moab and had captured part of the territory. The territory that Am Yisrael was presently inhabiting, that they had captured from Sichon, was territory that had once been a part of the country of Moab. Uh, those who are familiar with Sefer Shoftim know that in the time of Yiftach, this became a uh, a causus belli, a, a, a cause for war between Bnei Amon and Bnei Yisrael. But in any case, this was territory that had once belonged to Moab and had been captured by Sichon. And now, if we go back to our protagonist, Balak, he must have suddenly been gripped by panic. It's clear that Sichon Melech HaEmori was even more powerful than he was. After all, uh, Sichon had captured land from his predecessor, and Moab had not been able to recapture uh, or liberate that land. And now Am Yisrael had defeated the one who had defeated him. So although Balak might have previously assumed that he has nothing to worry about and that Am Yisrael is bypassing him because they're weak or afraid, suddenly they have routed his mighty northern neighbor. Um, and then the Torah continues to tell us, that Am Yisrael continued further north towards the Bashan, today's Golan Heights, and that might have made Balak feel a little bit better because he might have assumed that for... Whatever reason, Am Yisrael was not interested in him and they were continuing to distance themselves from Moab by traveling further north. When he gets to the Bashan, Am Yisrael is encountered by Vayifnu Vayalu Derech HaBashan Vayetzei Og Melech HaBashan Nikratam Hu V'chol Amo Lamilchama Edrei And then Og Melech HaBashan, another mighty king, comes out and attacks them in a place called Edrei. Hashem tells Moshe not to worry about it. You're going to defeat Og. And in fact, that's what happened. Am Yisrael attacks and conquers Og Melech HaBashan and um, and uh, inherits the land of the Bashan as well, even further north and further away from Balak. But then, in the very beginning of Perik Bet, the Pasuk immediately preceding the Pasukim with which we started, it says, Vayisu b'nei Yisrael, Vayachanu be'arvot Moav, me'ever liyarden yerecha. That Am Yisrael then turned around and headed back southward and camped once again on Nachal Arnon on the border between the territory that they now conquered or they now controlled and, and Moab. Suddenly, Am Yisrael is once again, after having defeated these two mighty kingdoms, Am Yisrael is now again 
uh, camped at the border of Moab. And it is at that point that we read Vayar Balak ben Sipori Kol Asher and Mori Vayagor Moab. It is at that point that Balak, as we say, freaks out because he has absolutely no idea what's about to happen. He, at this point, is completely confused as to the various movements of Am Yisrael and why they didn't fight some and why they, and why they did fight others. But at this point, he's very, very, very worried. Now, the truth is that if you look in the book of Dvarim, and for lack of time, I'm not going to read this inside, but those who are interested can take a look at Dvarim, eh, Perek Bet. And there, Moshe Rabbeinu explains to the people what happened. What we read in Bamidba was read from the perspective of an objective observer, the way Balak himself would have seen it. But in Dvarim, the Torah tells us, or the Torah records how Moshe Rabbeinu explained to the people why he did what he did. It turns out that he had received instructions from Hashem that those countries, Edom and Moab and also Ammon, were protected and Am Yisrael was not allowed to conquer them. Edom are the descendants of Esav, Moab and Ammon are the descendants of Lot, and their countries had been promised to them by God, and Am Yisrael wasn't allowed to attack them. But Sichon and Og, the kings of the Amori, those he was allowed to attack. So that's why Moshe Rabbeinu explained to us why he first asked permission, and when he was refused permission, had no choice but to bypass the countries because he's not allowed to start up at all with Edom or Moab. But Hashem actually told him, do start up with Sichon and Og, and, um, and you're going to defeat them. And that's exactly what happened. So in truth, haft, when we read Sefer Dvarim Perik Bet, we understand that Balak had absolutely nothing to worry about. Balak was protected. They weren't interested in him. They captured the lands of Sichon and Og. They came back to the southern border, Nachal Arnon, and from there they're headed west. They're headed into Eretz Canaan, towards Yericho and Eretz Canaan. Balak has nothing to worry about whatsoever. We know that because we've read Sefer Dvarim. But guess what? Balak didn't read Sefer Dvarim, and he didn't know. And that's why he was so, so concerned and uh, even terrified. And now we have to ask, why did he decide to turn to Bil'am? Balak undoubtedly came to the conclusion that Am Yisrael's military successes cannot be explained uh, through regular military means. It doesn't make any sense that a nation of slaves could defeat the mighty Egyptian army. It doesn't necessarily make sense that they could defeat Sichon and Og either. It would have to be that there's something spiritual about uh, about them. Their power must be spiritual. Balak, however, doesn't believe in Hashem. Balak is an Oved Elilim, he's a pagan. And he thinks in the terms of paganism, he thinks in the terms of magic. Uh, and he turned to Bilam, who, as we will see in the coming weeks, Bilam was viewed as a kosem, as a magician. And um, he figures that Moshe Rabbeinu is a great magician, He's going to turn to an even greater magician. He's going to fight. He realizes that if he tries to defeat Moshe on the battlefield, he has no choice. He has no chance. I mean, if Sichon and Og, which were more powerful than him, were completely defeated, he has no chance. But he figures Am Yisrael's secret is not in there. They're not winning the battles with the sword. They're winning them with some sort of spiritual power, some sort of magic. He viewed Moshe Rabbeinu as a Kosem. So he turned to the greatest Kosem in the world, and he said, I need your help. I want to defeat them. And the question is, why did Hashem do this? Why did Hashem uh, cause Balak to be put in the situation where he would have these 
fears. After all, there was really nothing to worry about. Why did he not instruct Moshe, for example, to inform Balak that, that he has no, um, you know, to make some kind of a non-aggression pact or, or just inform him that, uh, that he has nothing to worry about? Perhaps the answer can be seen if we look, uh, at the, uh, at, once again, at the words that Balak said, when he uh, invited or requested that Bilam should come. And now we'll read a little bit further than we read last time. If we go back now to Parshat Balak, and we read um, again from Perik Chafbet, it says there, Perik Chafbet Pasukei, it says, Vayishlach Malachim el Bilam ben Beor Petora, Asher al Nahar Eretz Bnei Amolikrolo. And he tells him, Am Yotzei Mimitzayim, etc. And he asks him, Vata lecha na'ara liyetamazeh. I need you to come and curse this people for me. They're too powerful for me. But if you come, maybe with your help we'll be able to defeat him and I can, I can chase him out of my land. And why am I turning to you? Listen to these next words. He says to Bilam, he says, I'm turning to you, Bilam, because I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. And therefore, I need your help. But those words should ring uh, a bell in our mind. We've heard a very similar expression before, have we not? We've heard that when Hashem turned first to Avram Avinu, at the very first time that God spoke to him in Bereshit, Perak Yud Bet, Lech Lecha Me'artzecha, when he said, Let, come, and leave your land, he said to him, He said, I will bless whoever blesses you, and I will curse whoever curses you. And here the Torah reports Balak's um, uh, request to Bilam using the very same expression. Hashem said about Am Yisrael, I will curse Whoever curses you, and I will bless whoever blesses you. But Balak said to Bilam, Yadati, I know, or perhaps we should read, I think, et asher tevarech mevorach, vasher ta, or you are. I know that whoever you curse is cursed, and whoever you bless is blessed. So we have Balak turning to Bilam and saying, with the mind of, a, of an Oved Elilim, that you control blessing and curse, and I want you to curse Am Yisrael, the nation about whom God said, I determine who's blessed and who's cursed, and whoever curses Am Yisrael is cursed. In other words, what emerges from this is that, without realizing it, Balak, who in the end was not going to suffer any problems, in the end he's not going to be attacked at all, but right now he's in great fear, and he winds up being the instrument of a showdown, of a confrontation between two different hashkafot olam, between two different worldviews. The worldview of the Torah that has Hashem saying, and the worldview of paganism and idolatry that thinks that Bilam determines who's blessed and who's cursed. Next week, Bezrat Hashem will begin to see how this dramatic confrontation played out and the uh, lessons that the Torah was able to teach us through what happened as a result of this confrontation. Until then, Shalom.